The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Coming up on Money Beat, the good ship SS Hope set sail at the beginning of the year, looking for, hoping for, praying for better things out of the economy, out of the stock market. Uh, they've gotten the better things out of the stock market. Have they gotten anything good out of the economy? And what happens now if hope gets dashed on the shoals of reality? This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to podcast on a special. This is our special Good Friday edition of, pod, of, of podcast. This is our Good Friday edition of Money Beat. I am Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Grosser, and clearly we have some uh, Good Friday energy. We do have some here. Good Friday energy. Well, the, the question is: this, this is what's going on. These are the better these, than Monday energy. The, the, these are the topics in Bloggers Cove right now, and uh, to discuss them, we're joined by our colleagues Ben Eisen and Chris Dietrich. Got everybody but home today, so I'll give you guys. I'll give you three topics that we can talk about, and and you tell me which ones we want to talk about. Um, the the new Star Wars trailer for Last Jedi, which came out Friday morning. I'll pass on that one. That's number one. What are you talking about? Come on. Uh, number Denied. two, the the lunch at the Brazilian steakhouse that Grocer's taking us to after this podcast is over, right? Grocer, that's number two. We can talk to about watch that. me eat. Well, we're all going to eat, and and you're going to pay for it, no, right? No, 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 no. Ben, back me up. Didn't he say he was going to do that? You did say it. That's just because I... you bumble, Ben. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, that did not mean that you did not agree to it. So. So, I feel like uh, I heard it. Here. I feel like I heard it too. This is one of those steakhouses where you put the little flag up and they just yeah, keep yeah. bringing you stuff. Exactly right. Uh, Count me right. in. Deal me in. Right. And Grocer said he was going to take us on Good Friday because we're all <laughs> we are clearly not uh, observant Catholics going to a steakhouse on Good Friday. But Grocer, are we ready for that? You're you're doing it right. You're I'm ready to us, eat. You're buying us lunch. I'm, I'm ready to eat. So excited he's going to buy us lunch. Yeah, this is great. This is really exciting. Yeah, I, I feel like the listeners are getting a real taste of the pain my day is no pun intended or pun intended very clever if you did that pun intended very good uh or topic number three the economy and taking a ten thousand foot look at what is going on in the economy right now is growth really where people thought it would be and what does it mean if it is or isn't it's more i think i mean it's the economy but it's also the markets well um, sure I right mean, right this week and i think the you know the week and a half we've seen a a, a the markets sort of cool off, and you know, it, it, they're sort of getting darker. I mean, you you had the, you know this week the VIX um, shoot higher, but I mean, once again, this isn't that unusual. I mean, we've seen the VIX shoot higher. We've seen you know investors over and over again expect volatility to rear its head, and over and over again, it really hasn't. I mean, you've had a few spikes around major political movements, uh, moments, and that could be what's causing it this week, but I mean, by and large, we, you know, the VIX has stayed muted, and it's still below, well below, its historical like average. Even its average. And, it, and I, I think one thing that's, that's particularly interesting. I mean, getting back to the economy for a second, is that the markets are closed today on Friday, and uh, you know, on Friday we got kind of two of the the ugliest economic data points of the week. We got a, a, a consumer price report that showed. 
uh, inflation falling on a month over month basis, and then we got uh, it, which is which is was not expected, and then we got retail sales, which was also also declined for the second straight month. But we don't really know how the market's going to react yet because it's closed. So we're sort of in this limbo here, wondering uh, will the will the VIX keep shooting higher? Uh, uh, you know, with kind of a lag based on the economic data, or kind of where we go from here. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. You, too, you know, in addition to after those. After those grim data points today, uh, grim might be a little too much, but you know things like it's the havens, right? The havens are are in now. It's gold had been a higher, the ten year uh, yield keeps falling. So yeah, it'll be interesting on Monday to see. Not to mention um, geo the, the quote unquote geopolitical concerns, right? That are that are ever present. Who knows what's going to happen this week? I mean, France's election is quickly approaching. I think it's April twenty fourth. Um, you have the Korean Peninsula, um, which is... Uh, and the, the rhetoric around yeah. Korea now is just, it's really amping up. And then and you have the U.S. dropping the biggest non-nuclear bomb on, uh, you know, in Afghanistan on ISIS yesterday. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's... Well, all of the market kind of fear fear flags are up at the moment, it seems, other than, I guess, the stock market itself, which has been, you know... Not it, it's fallen a little bit, but it's still kind of near record highs, and uh, it's kind of the only thing that's, that's propped up there. And and because uh, sometimes it feels kind of like that, uh, you know, like the Looney Tunes cartoon with the with the rabbit. He's suspended in air, and then right. I mean, who well, knows? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny too. This morning, um, you guys before before you got in, Chris, when uh, Holm Eric Holm was editing your morning money beat, our daily newsletter that goes out. If you want to subscribe to it, you can find it online. Uh, and you were writing about how people were not necessarily concerned about this, and people were saying you know, this, this, this often works itself out, and you know this is going to come back. Yeah. And I turned to Eric and I said, you know, I said, Eric, I think I want to just tighten this up a little bit. And I said, I can. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tighten it up a little bit. And he said, okay. And I said, yeah, let's just write by the dip. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like every time you have had people just come out and they, whenever the market falls, they just say buy the dip, and they've been right. I mean, if you just kept buying the dips, you've probably done pretty well for yourself. Well, I mean, this is a discussion we've been having for the last, um, you know, since the crisis, essentially, right? Yes. I mean, since the, you know, this bull market began, I mean, dark clouds are gathering. Is this the time the market really pulls back? Right. And and by and large, no. The answer has been buy the dip. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I will say, and I keep looking at the chart in this way, you, you look at the S&P 500, and in December of 2014, the end of 2014, it was around 2088 or something like that. Just before the election in November of 2016, it was at virtually the same level. Now, what had happened at the end of 2014? Well, the Fed finished up its final QE program. After that happened, the market went nowhere for a year and a half. The election happens. Donald Trump wins the White House. The Republican Party wins both houses of Congress. The market takes off. That was what drove the market. I mean, the market took off because they thought we're going to get a, a quote-unquote pro-growth agenda. No, right. But, I mean, it was also – Now – and, and it wasn't just the QE ending. I mean, that was obviously a big part of it. But it was also you had oil. You had oil. Uh, um, you the know, economy because, was because, not growing strongly. Because in, in right, right after QE ended in October of 2014, you also had – uh, in November, OPEC coming out and lifting, uh, you know, caps on oil right. production, which sent oil to its all-time lows, which it hit in February. Right. Um, 
Not so a you, lot of economic growth in that time no, frame either. And not earnings mm-hmm. growth because of oil. Right. Right. So you had the market really – I know everyone keeps saying buy the dip if you bought the – but for a year and a half, the market went nowhere. And then it got a big bump because of the election, and now here we are three – almost six months later, and it doesn't look like what we expected in November is going to happen in Washington. What is What happens next? Uh, that's the question. Don't answer. Any of you guys, Ben Ice and Chris Dietrich, Christine Grosser, don't answer because we're going to take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about more on the other side. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Money Beat. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser, joined by Ben Eisen and Chris Dietrich talking about the markets. And uh, just a quick reminder, if you like what you were hearing, you're interested in more podcasts from the Wall Street Journal. We have a lot of them out there for you. You can subscribe. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music app, Amazon Echo or Amazon Tap. You can find us as well. You can make your make our shows part of your flash briefing on those uh, wonderful little devices that I don't have, so I don't really know how they work. But uh, they're on there. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at, Twitter, we're at WSJ Podcasts. If you want to write to us. We would love to hear from you. We are podcasts at DowJones.com. And, and fellas, I think I got, I, I personally think I got to what the, the heart of the market conundrum is at, at the end there, which is that. Wow, every, at, Paul, I'm impressed. Really? Yeah, you got to the heart of it. I got, I got to the, well, look, the heart of it is the election happened and everyone thought they were going to get health care reform, tax reform, a huge spending plan, infrastructure, stimulus, all these things. And now it does not look like, let's be honest, I think we're at the point where we have to start talking about none of them happening in 2017. Where does the market go from here on that? Well, actually, I want a more specific point because that's fine. And I feel like we've talked a lot about the policy part of driving the markets. But I want to get I want to talk to you because you guys have written a lot about the VIX. And that what I think is interesting is because we've been in this sort of same plateau since with the markets, essentially since December, although the, the broader indexes have climbed higher. But a lot of the a lot of the sectors um, and assets that are supposed to benefit the most from a Trump presidency pro growth sort of stalled mid-December and in and started reversing in the new year. But what, I think what's interesting this week is really the move in sort of the VIX. Um, and also, like, you look at a 10-day losing streak, even though it wasn't that big in tech. Um, you see, you know, gold. You see the 10 years, you know, declining. You know, but we've seen this with the VIX. The VIX seems like you guys have talked a lot about this. I'm not really phrasing the question. Is the VIX, VIX really any any longer a good gauge of fear in the market? Well, I mean, you got to – the VIX is ubiquitous, but I think it's misunderstood often, right? So I think a way to think about it is the, the sort of real-time price for insurance against your, your portfolio, right? It goes up when the market goes down. 
and vice versa. And what was a little bit odd this week is the VIX shot up, you know, 26%, and it's still super low relative to, it's about 16 now. It's relative, it's, its average is about 20, right? So it's still below average, but it's far higher than the kind of volatility that we should expect, right? So the, over the past month, the S&P 500 has moved half a percentage or so less each day. And where the VIX has has climbed now sort of indicates that market, uh, that the S&P might move around 1% a day, which is not is certainly not dramatic, but it's essentially saying we expect market volatility to double what it has been over the past month. And there's a lot of reasons for why that might be, is, is there's a ton of things on the horizon that could jolt markets. But any time that we've seen, and literally any time, we've only seen this a handful of times, where this this VIX jumps, even though the actual market is very placid, it has never been bad for the market. It sort of goes away. We saw it right before Brexit. We saw it right before the election. So it's it sort of speaks to, and Ben talked about this a little bit earlier and had written about it. It's, it, it's, it's very logical. People are less excited about buying these sort of upside lottery tickets on the stock market at the same time that they're getting a little bit cautious. It doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean this ominous thing. And I think, uh, um, you know, one point as well, and, and this is something you've been hammering away at, Chris, recently, is, um, you know, the VIX itself often reflects the past as much as it reflects the future. I mean, people tend to look at it as an expectation of what's going to happen over the next 30 days. And, yeah, it, I mean, technically it measures options uh, that expire in 30 days. But uh, the pricing of those options often has a lot to do with uh, the previous 30 days and, and, and what's, uh, you know, what's been going on there. Um, so, what, so the so the VIX is elevated uh, above where it's been recently. Um, you know what does that say? I mean, perhaps it says that there's been just a lot of hand wringing going on in the market as we've sort of uh, been sitting here, you know, wondering but, what's been going on. But I mean, undoubtedly, there's a lot of you know geopolitical concern that has been gaining steam, policy concern, you know, as well or uncertainty. The VIX this year has been, in, in for the longest time, has been essentially, you know, at you know record lows or near all time lows. While the market, if you talk to investors and all that, there doesn't seem to be a lot of like comfort with the market. Why is that? I mean, I want to get back to sort of the idea: is the VIX really, you know, even when it's when it's you know at record lows, is it a good judge, and when it spikes, is it a good judge? Is it a good judge of? Well, what do you want it to judge? I mean, I think like you know, like because I think a lot of people, a, a lot of people have overlaid a lot a fear of fear gauge. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of people. So I don't, I don't think CBO, who which which makes the VIX. I don't think that they would ever endorse C-B-O-E. this as a CBOE Commodities yes. Board Options Exchange. Yes, yeah. yes, that one. I mean, I don't think they wouldn't. I mean, uh, they could speak for themselves, but I don't think they would like term it a fear gauge. I think I think that's something that's been overlaid on top of the VIX as it's gained in popularity, that somehow it has this this ability to predict the future. Um and I mean I don't think that there's very much evidence that that, you know, whatever is going on with it uh necessarily is gonna tell you like where stocks are gonna be thirty days from now. And that's that's borne out in many, many academic reports. The SIBO will tell you itself. It's not predictive. What it tells you when it shoots to 40 on a given day is that the stock market is falling and people are like desperately reaching for protection but it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily portend an imminent drop and in fact like we just said it it never has in situations like we have where the vix is up even though the market's pretty flat so i think it's 
a fallacy to think of it as something that's predictive. It's really telling you what's happening either right now or telling you what has already happened. So, like, I guess I wasn't necessarily even talking about it pretending anything even. Like, does it do a very good job of even telling you what's happening in the moment anymore? Well, I I think that it's, um, I mean, so it's had some, some interesting moves lately. It's had a lot of days where, like, the market will be up and the VIX will be up or the market will be down and the VIX will be down. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, but the VIX is supposed to go up when the market goes down and vice versa, um, which which is fair because that's usually what it does. But at the same time, it's, uh, uh, I mean, it's it's telling you that people, you know, perhaps people are willing to pay more for protections on their portfolios even as stocks go up. And that is a valuable signal in and of itself, right, that, 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 uh, People, people, people want the protection, whether or not the whatever the market's doing. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it, the VIX, like other indicators, like just looking at what the S and P five hundred has done over the past month, which is kind of just gradually inch lower, just shows that people aren't enthusiastic. They're not, they're not diving into this uh, anticipation for Trumponomics. There's all these you know things that could derail the economy. So it's yeah, it uh, as well as many other things just speak to the fact that. People are kind of in wait and see mode right now, and will be probably until some bizarre, unknown thing happens, uh, or there's more confirmation confirmation from weird economic data points. Well, yeah, uh, one of the things I was going to do is because I cut off Paul. I think that actually transitioned sort of into what you were getting at is where do the markets? Well, yeah, I mean, look, to, let's. It, this is pretty easy, actually. I mean. Back at the end of the year, everyone thought that with this new administration, you were going to get a lot of growth. The administration was talking up 4% growth, 3% growth GDP. People were expecting something to, to break the economy out of the rut it has been in. Now, the third quarter is over. We're starting to get numbers. We had the retail sales this morning. Uh, the New York and Atlanta Fed both updated their GDP trackers. The Atlanta Fed is now at 0.5% growth for the first quarter. The New York Fed is still at 2.6%. But as we've uh, discussed oh, – sorry, that's my, my timer telling us that we need to move on. But uh, before we move on, uh, the, the problem is that the, the markets juiced themselves up on this idea that you're going to have some kind of significant upgrade in economic growth this year. In the first quarter, at least, it is not happening. In fact, it might come in well below what people expected how does the market respond to that? Is, is the question, and there, I don't have the answer to that. If I did, be running a you know a hedge fund in Greenwich, but that is the question that investors have to ask themselves at this point. You, you made a bet; it doesn't look like it's going to happen right now. At least, what do you do? I think you're just left right now, and this is what we're sort of seeing in the market in the same place you've been left for many years, where with interest rates as low as they are. You're in stocks, but you're not really that bullish about the direction of stocks, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's leave it there. I'm going to go back downstairs and watch the Star Wars trailer for the third time so I can more effectively explain why I don't like it. And then we are going to go – Grocer is such a nice guy. He's taking – I swear we're going to make him do this too. Like, I'm going to go by myself. Grocer is going to take us to lunch at a Brazilian steakhouse. Isn't that nice of him? He's such a good boss. Grocer, you're such a good boss. To I mean, take honestly, us all I lunch. get enough of you guys on the podcast. And it's an expensive podcast. lunch too. You're going to get grief when you when you show your expense report to your bosses. <laughs> but that's what that's how much you love us. So excited. You, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, Are you uh, still there? You uh, still. <laughs> I'm done. I uh, actually only talk to these guys for the podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, 
Ben Eisen, Chris Dietrich, thank you very much for your time. Everyone, thank you for your time. Have a good weekend. And for those of you who are celebrating, have a great Easter. And we'll talk to you next week. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. And now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.